Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Friday, September 2nd, 2022. I am John Podhortz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. I am podcasting today in my car using my iPhone as a hotspot. I may not sound great. I'm only letting you know, even though Noah Rothman hates it when I give you the inside info on our production problems because I just don't know how to make things better than this right now. Please write angry letters to the New York City Parking Department on the issue of alternate side of the street parking, and maybe one day this will no longer be a problem. With me as always, Executive Editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist and AEI fellow, Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And aforementioned associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. Okay, Biden, Independence Hall. Um, Looking like the meme of Elmo waving his arms with the fire behind him. Or as a friend of mine said, like Al Pacino in The Devil's Advocate. Uh, at various points as the light decli- as they as they lit him so badly that he started to look somewhat demonic uh while defending our democracy against evil so uh the visuals somehow did not quite match up with the text uh or maybe depending on how you feel the visual matched up perfectly with the text abe you hated this speech i, did. I don't think hate is too strong a word it is not that's the right word I thought the visual did match up with the text because I thought the whole thing was so surreal and bizarre. So it looked surreal and the very occasion was surreal. Um, okay, so his whole point, he, the president gets out there to make a speech to say that he really doesn't like the last president and those who support him. Okay, great. He doesn't like them because they, they are anti-democratic, anti-American. They, they break all sorts of norms. This is all true, um, but this speech, this occasion itself was, was breaking norms. What, what was this? Uh, that, a, that a president calls a speech to get out there and, and, and scream about, about the last president, just hurl, just barking attacks at the last president and his supporters? I found it ridiculous. And yeah, of course, I, I absolutely um, agree on the substance about about. MAGA and or the hardcore MAGA, whatever you want to call it, about, about all the norm violating, all the anti-democratic, all the anti-American aspects of, of the movement he's talking about. But I'm not going to stomach it coming from him. I'm not, I, until the Democrats acknowledge their own norm violations, their own anti-democratic antics, their own anti-American antics, you know, they're they're beginning with their defense of of the violence and riots uh, all throughout 2020, uh, the insane Brett Kavanaugh lunacy, the, the the all the election delegitimizing of of their own that 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 they do when when they lose elections, the naked squad anti-Semitism that they fail to condemn, um, the attempt to buy votes with executive orders. I you know, I just. I have no problem acknowledging that there's a huge problem on the right, but I, you got to put it in context. I need, I, I, I need the, the if, if someone wants to play the adult in the room, they've got to talk about their own side. I certainly don't expect a Democratic president to come out there, even in a, something that isn't a campaign speech, campaign speech, which this was, and condemn liberals and Democrats. That's not something I expect of the president, especially given the political objective that he was pursuing here, obviously. But what he did was essentially to attempt to condemn this rising tide of a liberalism, which cheapened the public's apprehension over the rising tide of a liberalism and intensified the menace he set out to condemn. And that was the intention. That was the design. This was uh, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, press secretary previewed this speech by saying it would evoke themes uh, from the president's first inaugural right after the January 6th riots and the 2017 speech that he gave after the Charlottesville violence. Two events that were 
shocking, traumatizing to the national consciousness and required politicians to get up and meet the moment. What was this moment? There was no event that precipitated this. What precipitated it? De declining democratic political prospects. Disgusting. Cheapening this process. Second, he goes after the idea that it conflates, for example, violence, street violence, anti-democratic uh, impulses on the American right with the um, Thomas concurrence in Dobbs, which is the banal process of American jurisprudence, thereby creating coupling the idea that street violence and the completely unobjectionable uh, mundane process of uh, challenging American precedents and courts are the same thing, contemptible, obnoxious, and, and, and completely irresponsible, especially because his objective, obviously, from this campaign event, was to intensify and accelerate the process that ours have been, Republicans have been going through for the last six weeks now, gravitating back into Donald Trump's orbit. That is the objective of this speech, to perversely make the very threat that he's talking about worse. It was repulsive. So I, I agree with uh, both Abe and Noah. I was struck by First of all, I didn't like that he had U.S. Marines standing behind him. And people are going to say, oh, you're so petty. They always have Marines. No, they have Marines when they're at the White House. When you're the president and you're at the White House, there's always a contingent of Marines who are around the White House, guarding the White House, protecting the president. He imported these and he put them on in a national park because he was in front of Independence Hall in Philadelphia. It's a national park. And we paid for that speech because this was a taxpayer funded event. It was not a political event. And when asked about whether this was a campaign style event that should perhaps have been separate from, you know, taxpayer funded presidential duties, his press secretary previewing the speech, as, as Noah said, said democracy is a nonpartisan issue. It's about democracy. So that's just BS. First of all, I didn't like the optics. Um, I was I thought it looked more like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, you know, the kind of penultimate scene in that movie. But that was just me because uh, I'm old. But here's what I didn't like about it. He was trying to have it both ways in a way that was so clear last night. We've kind of pointed this out here and there in, in remarks he's given. Uh, it became clear because this morning the Democrats are once again throwing money at MAGA extreme candidates on the right in primary races to try to make sure they win so they have an easier run of it. We've talked about that in the past. So that's still going on. So if you want to take him at his word about how what a threat to democracy this is, it's it's proven that his own side is happy to engage in these antics. And even if he doesn't call them out, then his words become a little bit more uh, hollow. But here's what I didn't like. He invoked a couple of things. He said the word carnage. Remember carnage? Remember American carnage, the infamous Trump speech? And he talked about uh, he invoked uh, Judge Ludig's phrase about uh, MAGA types being a clear and present danger to the republic. These were very carefully invoked to incite, as I think Noah is absolutely right. And we talked about this yesterday as a kind of bait. Let's see if they take the bait. But the carnage word in particular struck me because remember when Trump said that, and, and that speech was all about speaking to people who felt left behind by their country, who felt like their country no longer cared about them, had left them to rot and overdose on drugs and just live in squalor. And like they they were the left behind the forgotten people. Now, whether or not you believe that's true, that was the rhetoric. That's not how he was using it here. Uh, so when he invokes, oh, they talk about carnage, he's basically reiterating what Trump's point was back in when he was on the election trail, which is they don't care about you. In fact, we're going to lump you in with extreme extremists. The other thing that really struck me was that while talking about extremist MAGA and, and attempting to make a mild distinction between MAGA Republicans and regular Republicans, he actually on policy matters lumps everyone back together on abortion, on gay marriage, ironically, something he didn't support until fairly recently. <laughs> and, and also on a lot of the stuff that he wants to claim credit for uh, legislatively, the infrastructure bill, that was a bipartisan. Nothing that's gotten done has gotten done without some Republican support. But he's like, it was very much a, a, an invocation of the, we're they're going to put y'all back in chains style of Joe Biden speech making, and I found it uh, appalling. So, but okay. Christine did touch on briefly. Christine touched on what the bait here is. The bait is for Republicans to become all righteously indignant about the offense and insult to the honor of their movement, of their voters, of the, their leader in exile. That's the bait. Kevin McCarthy and, and took the bait. Yeah, they all they're all taking the bait, all of them to a man. And maybe they're thinking that this is deplorables 2.0. And I don't know if they're wrong, but the intended effect is to get them to rally around this idea that their movement has been insulted. 
thereby cementing the idea that their movement is unitary and unified behind this particular political philosophy. Right. Well, I tried to figure out the math of what Biden had said. Uh, let me just quote what he says, because this question of the elision of who it is that he says is threatening democracy. Okay. We first, but first we must be honest with each other and with ourselves, which is always, you know, which is Polonius 2.0, right? That's when, when someone says we must be honest, you know, hold on to your hats and hold on to your wallets, right? Because he's about to be honest, but not about himself, right? He's going to be honest about other people that he's going to attack, which I think is Abe's point. Like, if you really want to make a serious philosophical speech about how we have taken democracy for granted and how we need to defend democracy from its root and at its root, you are obliged as a matter of intellectual honesty to call out the excesses on your own side in order to make it clear that you believe that this is a problem that isn't simply resolvable, you know, through the cheap method of voting for the person that the person making the speech wants you to vote for, right? So you failed on that in that regard. But here's the passage that I wanted to read. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans bad grammar there. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. Okay, so we are now alighting Republicans, that is, Americans who are members of the Republican Party, of whom there are, I was trying to figure out the math here, Okay, so there are 158 million, 170 million registered voters in the United States. 29% of them in polls, about 30% say they're Republicans. So that's like, uh, what is that? That's like 50 million people. Okay, so if not a majority of them, not even a majority, but let's say close to a majority, and Noah found a poll, CBS poll, in which 52% of Republicans say they're all in on MAGA, right? Isn't that what it said? Right? Correct. Okay. So that would be about 30 million people or something like that. So is he saying that 30 million Americans are crazy extremists who threaten the very foundations of a republic? That's a lot of people. So is this deplorables 2.0? Yes. I mean, Hillary Clinton quantified that 25% of Republicans were deplorables. So Biden in this speech, on the one hand, is now saying 30 million people in this country are evil. I don't think that's ever really happened before. <laughs> the president has said this about his employers, um, even because you're still being employed by, by the American voter, even if he didn't vote for you. Um, but then he then aligns them with elected Republicans who number, of course, in the thousands, not in the millions at most. And in Washington, we actually know the exact number of, of elected Republicans, right? There are 50 senators and 212 congressmen. So there are 262 Republicans, some of whom he's been able to work with, as Christine noted, right? I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. So Biden is making a very, very bold claim here. He is saying that 30-odd million Americans are evil and want to destroy this country, and everybody else needs to rally around him to save the country from them. Now, is that recklessly irresponsible? Is it true? Is it not true? It doesn't even matter. It is it is a change in the national rhetorical, in the history of our American rhetoric, because 
not even Trump went this far. Trump was basically like, if you didn't vote for me, screw you. I mean, that was, you know, Trump did absolutely nothing to rally the country, people who didn't vote for him, you know, in his direction. He doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on his base. Biden is now saying that an enormous number of people want to destroy the United States and must be stopped. Now, again, yeah, go ahead. I I think we have to just dwell on the on the reckless aspect of this a little bit because we do we do when it happens on on the right. As we've said, given the the environment, given the temperature of the country right now, given how precarious so many things are, um, just as when when uh, right wing extremists or, or politicians on the right come out and say things that we say that's stupid. You don't say that because there's a because it only takes one unhinged person out there to to sort of take that as marching orders and to act on that. Um, we have the Justice Department issuing warnings about right wing extremism uh, and how, you know, there's the look out for for domestic right wing terrorism and all what what does Biden think the effect is when he when he comes out when the president comes out and 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 tells millions of Americans I'm against you you're my enemy uh, we are enemies you you are you want to take down this country and I'm not going to let you uh, what 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 sort of effect might that happen might 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 that have I don't but mean politically but I mean in the in the in the you know sort of fabric of things but that would be an unremarkable thing for the leader of a party to do in the context of a political speech and a campaign trail, which this White House repeatedly insisted this was not. They did advance work to the effect that this was a policy speech. They alerted reporters on multiple occasions that this was a policy speech, not a campaign speech. And as Christine said, it was funded by uh, taxpayers because this was not a political message, but it was a political message. It was a bait and switch. The Democrats have been doing a lot of baiting and switching recently. You know, but this is this is between the all of a sudden that once it was passed, the infrastructure bill became the, the biggest climate change bill in history. We had this this bait and switch. Nobody seems to care. Nobody feels particularly aggrieved by the abuse of their intelligence and trust. So they just keep doing it and getting away with it. Well, and I, this is where I get I know I get hyper semantic about this stuff, but I really words really do matter. And as and as Abe said, like they they can be inciting a kind of or creating or contributing to an already uh, overheated climate where where people are likely to do stupid things. Well, you know, I mean, look, we had we had Justice Kavanaugh had there was a, a guy who was intent on assassinating a Supreme Court justice. So, I mean, it's not as if we haven't seen and January 6th. I mean, I'm going to I'll do both sides here, but it was the use of the phrase to, to Abe's question, what do you think it will do? The use of the phrase clear and present danger is still really bugging me. That's a Supreme Court phrase, Woodrow Wilson era Supreme Court. And it was used to suppress free speech from people who are considered dissenters. So if you want to like really get into the weeds on what some of his rhetoric suggests to people who are on the other side of the aisle going, wait a minute, you're, you think we're domestic terrorists. And not for the first time, because parents at school board meetings were also called domestic terrorists. And now you're saying we're clear and present danger, which would require the government to act in some way. What is the government going to do to us? I mean, I'm, I'm giving you the kind of paranoid version of this, but it's not crazy to think that when the president of the United States uses that kind of rhetoric, he's doing it for a purpose and to lay the groundwork for a climate of opinion and an enforcement of the law that might not really actually be all that democratic. Okay, so look, he's the president of the United States and he's the leader of the Democratic Party. So let's say he's giving a speech more as the leader of the Democratic Party than the president of the United States. If he wants to say that the that elected officials of the Republican Party, who in Washington, as I just said, number about 263, or probably nationally several thousand, I mean, I don't really know what the numbers number is nationally, um, and that Republican media that support Trump, uh, you know, the staffs of the Fox News Channel and the One American Network and the Federalist and the Washington Times, I don't know, whatever, the, all of them together as the, as, as the official money-making policy arm of MAGA, that all these people together are his enemies and enemies of democracy. That seems to me to be within the bounds of conventional rhetoric, even if it's not really presidential rhetoric. 
saying that 30 million people hate democracy and want to destroy it, that's new. And are a right? danger, Every, are a danger, and, a threat. Right. Yes. The two most dramatic things said on the campaign trail in the last 10 years were said by Romney and Hillary, right? Romney said 47% of people don't pay taxes. 47% of people, you know, are like not fully participating in our economy. And Hillary said the thing about deplorables. Actually, we can go back to 2008 when Obama said there are all these people and they're afraid of, you know, they're they're afraid we're going to take away their guns and they're their religion. They're clinging to their guns and their religion, yeah. Every, the clingers. Each one of those statements was off the record in a room that was closed to press and was leaked by people in the room in order to make Obama, Romney, and Hillary look bad, okay? We know the Romney thing was was leaked by Jimmy Carter's grandson or uh, who was like a waiter at the event or something like that. These were things that was understood until 2016 were not to be said out loud in front of a national audience because they were offensive. But here we're going to, as we say, talk talkless and tell you the truth about those other people. They don't pay taxes they're clinging to their guns and their religion, and they're deplorable. Biden went out at 8 o'clock on a Thursday night of the first day of September, two months before a midterm, and said that 30 million people in this country hate our democracy and want to destroy it and are clear and present danger. He said it. He said it in a speech text. He wanted all three networks or four networks to broadcast it. They didn't do it, but it was on wherever it was on. This is new. 60% of this country doesn't like Biden. <laughs> you know, more people in this country disapprove than approve of Biden. He's going before them and saying, you know, a lot of you who are listening to my voice, you want to destroy this country. And I'm coming at you with a two by four. Trump changed a lot of things. And I, this speech couldn't have been delivered before Trump. But even Trump didn't deliver this speech. What did Trump say that was the most offensive thing he said in his presidency? He said, there are good people on both sides. Remember? After he didn't say, yeah. there are good people on my side and bad people on the other side. There are good people on both sides. So when he was faced with a moment at which he made the, the biggest restore, rhetorical mistake of his presidency, he was doing so in an effort to sound more presidential in some bizarre way. You know, it, this is an important point because you mentioned his approval rating just now. And that's actually there was another theme in this speech, which is like the majority of people are with us, us, the Democrats who are going to protect democracy. Like we are the majority. We are the most of us care about democracy. It's these terrible, dangerous extremists who don't who actually number in the you know tens of millions. Um but actually, look at his approval rating. Most Americans aren't with him if he's the leader of his party. Look at the the breakdown of how people feel about things like abortion, about you know transgender issues, about a lot of the things that he cited as like, look, we're all on the same page here. This country is not on the same page with a lot of these issues, and in abortion, with abortion in particular, you know that's going to be hashed out in the most democratic fashion possible, which is that people battling out at the state level and passing new laws that either lift restrictions or impose them. So the idea. It was very glib, I thought, that a guy with a under 40% approval rating um, saying everybody's with me and they just we just have to get rid of these extremists and then we'll sail forward into better days for democracy is ridiculous on its face. We're fighting about this stuff as we should, as a democracy but, does. But here's how this works. Here's how this play succeeds. It's what John just went into. We quantify the number of people who are offended and we're offended on their behalf. And we subsequently rally around them. And this effect has been happening on the right for, for two years now, since January 6th. An increasing, ever-increasing number of Republicans are inclined towards the position that nothing really bad happened here. Donald Trump certainly didn't do anything about it. Maybe they're being railroaded. Maybe they're being persecuted. This is something that the president now says openly. Is we got a, the government, federal government owes apologies to an unspecified number That's what of Trump people who are- said. Yes, as not by former president. Trump. When I say the president, yeah. it means all all former presidents, John Quincy Adams included, all presidents. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's the sort of thing that will rally the, everybody around them. What Don, what what Joe Biden did, and I think this is the right tact here. What Joe Biden did is officially link the Democratic Party elected officials and the White House to a Democratic 
effort on the part of operatives and campaign professionals to boost MAGA Republicans. He is now one in the same part of that mission. The Democratic Party is wholly and entirely committed to making sure the MAGA movement is as large and potent as possible. That's the sort of thing that I guess Republicans, elected officials who are inclined towards Trump can't really say because they want them to be totally in opposition to each other here. But it's our, we can. We can certainly say that this is as cheap and cynical as it possibly gets, that there is no concern whatsoever for the quote unquote threats to democracy presented by the MAGA right and the illiberal right, because they're not acting like it. They're putting their money where their mouth is and now their mouth where their mouth is uh, to the degree that they want this movement to be as menacing as possible. Uh, that's that's an indictment. Right now, uh, I have a I have a column in the, in the New York Post today. Uh, in which I, having now taken Biden seriously for about uh, 26 minutes, I'm now going to say that we made a huge mistake by taking this speech seriously at all, that it was entirely disingenuous, or not entirely because Biden's an idiot and believes that he's there to save democracy because he's a clown and a fool, and he's about as much ready to save democracy as, you know, as he is ready to tell the truth about corn pop or actually tell a true story about what his father said to him at the dinner table about what to do, you know, with, uh, with people. Um, this speech was designed as Noah said, Noah's now saying that this is, you know, the strategy of boosting MAGA people. This speech was designed to poke Trump, to poke and prod and troll Trump into doing everything that he can to remain at the center of the news cycle until election day, because this, he is not enough to make Democrats enthusiastic about voting in November. Dobbs is not enough to make Democrats enthusiastic about voting in November. If he can associate in the minds of Democrats, the idea that voting for any Republican in the country is a, uh, is a version of voting for Trump. He can get Republican, he can get Democratic enthusiasm up as it is right now, according to polls, to Republican levels and thereby stay, stay and suspend the classic pattern of the midterm election being a referendum on the party in power and become a choice between Biden and Trump. And the way he does that is by saying to Trump, keep talking. You keep talking, you keep putting your pressure on Republicans like Kevin McCarthy, who is himself so stupid that he uh, believed that the mystic chords of memory mentioned by, uh, you know, the 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 great the greatest rhetorical phrase in American history by Abraham Lincoln somehow was converted into the electric chord of memory or something like that by Kevin McCarthy yesterday, who, you know, if um, if we want to have it proved to us that we are a sinful people that God wishes to punish will in fact become the speaker of the house, because that is what we deserve is to have this clown as our speaker of the house. But if he wants Kevin McCarthy to, uh, you know, to become, to continue to spend two months supporting and raging on Trump's behalf, if he wants Republicans to spend all of their intellectual and emotional capital on the idea that the Mar-a-Lago search warrant and the possible charges of obstruction of justice against Trump are the most illegitimate and unjust things that have ever happened. He did himself a huge favor last night. He did what he needed to do. It would take Trump an enormous amount of self-discipline not to fall for the bait that Biden just dangled in front of him and Trump has no self-discipline. That's what this is about. It's not about democracy. It's not about a campaign speech. It's not about talking about how he's done what he could do to help people with problems who were near burn pits or to lower prescription drug prices, all the boilerplate stuff that was sort of in the middle of the speech that made it sound as though he was speaking at a convention that wasn't happening. It was about riling the Republicans up so that they would talk and talk and talk about Trump for the next two months instead of talking about Biden. 
and student debt and you know and and spending you know four trillion dollars and inflation remaining at eight percent and reminding people about Afghanistan and reminding people why Biden's approval rating, despite two months of good news, is still in the low 40s and actually could get knocked down back into the high 30s and knocked down back into the high 30s is where Democrats lose the House and lose the Senate based on all historical patterns. And you know that they're going to fall for it. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe they won't fall for it. Maybe the no, news I is mean, going to get. So, OK, go ahead. No, it's going to say, of course, they'll fall for it. I mean, it's 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 very appealing to the voters that the Democrats really need to turn up at this midterm election to say, you know, it's this isn't just about policy. We are fighting enemies of democracy. But if you can call people who disagree with you on policy enemies of democracy, I mean, basically, Biden has become the thing he was he that he argued he should be elected to prevent, which is this kind of political warfare, the, the overheated rhetoric, the the angry chaos, like he's just all in that now, like that this is what he needs. That's the worst part about this is that it is such a ham fisted scene chewing attempt at psychological manipulation and emotional blackmail that it's definitely going to work on everybody. It, it's just completely depressing. See, I, mean, I don't look, think America was... fails the marshmallow test yet again. I mean, it's very simple, right? It's like all Republicans needed to do was not make Trump put Trump front and center in the American political conversation. And then Merrick Garland did it and then they fell for it. And now they're going to fall for it again. <clears throat> and it's pretty simple. The story is this Republicans really like Trump. Democrats hate Trump as much or more than Republicans like Trump. And there are considerably more Democrats than there are Republicans. I am sorry to tell Republicans within the ambit of my voice. There are naturally more Democrats. And then there are independents. And in March, independents favored Republicans by 12 points, according to the Wall Street Journal poll. And yesterday, the Wall Street Journal poll came out and found that independents favor Democrats by three. Why? You got to figure 75% of that is because they are being reminded that Trump is still there, present, and the animating motive force of the Republican Party. More people saying Biden is unpopular, right? More people dislike Biden than like Biden. Way more people dislike Trump than like Trump. And Trump's not on the ballot, and Biden's trying to put him on the ballot. And I think he's going to succeed. But did Biden turn independence off at all last night? Why well, would he right turn independence off? It was all Republican, Republican, Republican. Because there are no true independents. There are very few true independents. Many of them identify mm -hmm. as right-leaning voters, left-leaning voters, and have some affection for the party that they've voted for for the better part of the, their adult lives, even if they don't identify or register as that party. Um, yeah, I think it right? probably helped and consolidate. If it if it if it worked at all, then it worked on independence too. Well, they also don't. That most voters don't realize that the that that while Biden's saying that MAGA is an existential threat, Democrat the Democratic you know National Committee and you know Schumer's all these PACs, the democratically sponsored PACs have spent like what almost forty million on MAGA candidates campaigns like if it's not they don't know that though that's kind of inside baseball people don't follow it in that at that granular level but this is such an opportunity this is the, that is the opportunity i'm sorry i'm, I'm being right. very no, interrupting it's the and time. no no but it's that, the time if, to if do we it had, right? if we had a competent republican political operation that would that understands that they have stopped making the case against joe biden's first 18 months and started reminding voters about what they hated about donald trump's last four years uh then they would use this speech as an opportunity to pivot back to Joe Biden. And the first thing that they would do is say that he's not serious about this. He's part of this Democratic effort to boost MAGA candidates. If, they, if they're spending so much money on this, they really hate us. Are we that much of a threat? Secondly, they would say, well, you want to talk about us? Let's talk about you, X, Y, Z. Uh, that would be the, the competent, I think, response from a, from a political operation that had its eye on the ball. But there is no Republican Party. That's the joke. There is no competent Republican political operation because the Republican Party has been superseded, not by MAGA, but over the last 10, 15 years. I'm sorry, an ambulance is going by. That's why I wanted to warn you that I was in my car. Okay. 
that the uh, Republican Party has been superseded by super PACs and, you know, spending operations in the wake of uh, Citizens United and the the group with the most money in it in the Republican Party right now is Trump's super PAC, not the RNC, not the Senate Republican Election Committee, not the con- Senate Congressional, the Republican Congressional Campaign Committee, but the $110 million in Trump's super PAC. There is no Republican Party anymore, just as there is no Democrat. The only reason there is a Democratic Party now is because Biden is president. And so, and in fact, they have these two unified missions, right? One of them is to advance progressive legislation to the extent possible. And the other is to stop Trump. And that's pretty, it turns out those are pretty cohesive goals. And the Democrats are rolling in cash. Oh, and also to codify abortion rights after, after Dobbs. And the Democrats are rolling in cash and the Republicans are starved for cash. And there is no such thing. What there is is Kevin McCarthy saying electric cords of memory. That's what we got. We well, got and idiots, you, I, morons, and loudmouths. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I watched Janine Pirro on Fox last night, and uh, that's really helpful. I mean, I'm just saying, like, like um, you know, and this is where things get a little tricky if you, again, want to not take the speech seriously, but the world around the speech seriously. But before I do that, I want to talk to you about David Bonson's economics course. We got new job numbers today. Um, and, uh, you know, they look pretty, are they, are they good? Are they not good? What is the margin of error going to tell us? The unemployment rate went up. How could the unemployment rate go up when the jobs number, when there are more people employed, that doesn't seem to make any sense. What's going on here? This is not really the subject of David's course at Bonson.com, but what is the subject of David's course is the laws, rules, principles, and ideas that undergird economics as a discipline. And uh, if you go to Bonson.com, B-A-H-N-S-E-N.com, you see a big B in the upper right-hand corner, just move your eye right to the middle. You'll see the word economics. Of course, you click on it, you fill out your name, you put in your email, and you have 30 lectures, quizzes, syllabi that will uh, lead you at the end of a serious perusal of this course into a graduate school level understanding of this very important and central subject. So that is Bonson.com, David Bonson's economics course. Go today uh, and sign up. And I want to talk to you about Bowling Brand Sheets. Noah, you were on vacation for a week. You were away from your Bowling Brand Sheets. Did you miss them? That was the worst part of my vacation. I think we probably uh, have replaced the sheet. I've had them for almost a year now. I think we've probably used another set of sheets one or two times. And it is a consistently disappointing experience every time you get into bed and there's no bowl and branch on the bed. They are lovely, buttery sheets, as they say in the copy. Right. Breathable. And they're impossibly soft to start. And I believe you would are, are saying they get softer with every finish. These are the best 100% organic cotton threads on earth. Bowling Branch gives you thread quality. Forget thread count, okay? Um, they're beloved by three U.S. presidents. They're so luxurious. They get 10,000 stellar reviews. Uh, they're 100% free from toxins, no pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They come in nine neutral colors and all sizes from Twin Up to California King. They fit the deepest of mattresses, labeled with top and bottom tags, so making your bed is easier than ever. Best of all, Bowling Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns on all orders. So get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code COMMENTARY at BowlandBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com. Promo code COMMENTARY. Can I say okay. one thing? Yes, Can I just please. add one more thing to our to our dunking many on Biden things. speech? Add as many um, things. As you want. I I was I I have to say that I listened to the speech after already being kind of 
overwhelmed by the breathtaking cynicism of what the Biden administration had done earlier in the day, which is to claim that Republicans are responsible for school closures during COVID. And, and it really was only after the Democrats took charge that that the glorious reopening happened, having had kids who were locked out of their schools for more than an entire academic year in a deep blue city. I can attest to that not being the case. But the cynicism of Biden's become a true cynic in in his public speaking. I remember we we were very uh, critical of him when he when he compared regular voting rights legislation in Georgia to Jim Crow. That was over the top. But people said, you know, he's just he gets so passionate about this. He cares so much. So you really you got to let that one go. Okay, we let that one go. Guess what? We can't let it go. It is a pattern of behavior in which he cynically uh, equates what are, in fact, basic uh, procedures of democracy with hate, with bigotry, with never acknowledging that people change their minds over time, as he himself has on a number of these scores. So this he's really has become our cynic in chief and in a way that perhaps that's still more appealing than chaos, you know, creator of chaos. Uh, which Trump brings, but it shouldn't be, we shouldn't pretend anymore that these are gaffes or that he just cares too much. No, no, no. He is a deeply, deeply cynical politician. Well, that was good. <laughs> okay. I feel better. Thank you. Okay. Thank you okay. listeners you're, for indulging you're, me. You're, you're, <laughs> Take a restorative sip of coffee now. You're very welcome. Okay, people are. Uh, there's a whole drinking game where people, you know, take a shot when we mention our text chain. But I wanted to bring this up because last night during our text chain, we had an interesting uh, divergence of opinion. Although you would you would not really know that listening to us now, after you know, sort of thinking over time. But you know, the first seven, eight, nine paragraphs of Biden's speech, I have to confess that until he said the thing about how, you know, oh, not quite a majority. I mean, maybe, maybe just the slimmest of majorities are an evil. Um, I really didn't have a problem with what he was saying. That's hilarious because I, I think your memory has failed you because that came very early in the speech. The stuff that you liked and sympathized with is boilerplate American patriotism and just pablum. I know. I like boilerplate American patriotism and problem. <laughs> yeah, I like hearing the president of the United States in 2022 with the 1619 project on the one hand and Slavov Zizek <laughs> writing for Sorab's ridiculous magazine on the other, um, you know, saying that the Constitution is great and America is the greatest political experiment of all time. All I hear is this country getting shat upon by everybody on every side. And it means something to me. I have to confess, cynical though Biden is, to hear the president of the United States saying, I'm standing in front of Independence Hall. You know what happened here? The greatest thing in world history happened right behind me. We wrote the Declaration of Independence. We wrote the Constitution, the greatest experiment in self-governance that the world has ever seen. The American experiment lives. This is the greatest country on earth. Thank God somebody said it again. I mean, I'm sorry, but it, it you know I that does matter to me. I I, I can't help myself. Uh, I hear the I hear the electric chord of memory playing in my head. Um, and yeah, even though he was doing it for cynical reasons, like we need to hear democratic boy. We need to hear American patriotic boilerplate because when we don't hear it, suddenly it becomes okay to say that America was, you know, born in slavery and is evil or that, you know, America is evil because of John Locke or whatever horse shit those people want to peddle. See, I <clears throat> I have the exact opposite reaction. <laughs> I know uh, you did. Because okay. yeah, because when when if if you invoke that stuff that I also care deeply about for the cheapest cynic, most cynical stunt um it gets under my skin. It drives me crazy. Um, so it, look, it's it. It's as silly as when Trump would do it. You know, when, when it, did it, Trump it, ever do it? There were lines and speeches, you know, where that but he sort of, you know, the sounds came out of his mouth about about the greatness of our of our experiment and whatever else, you know, but he was so thoroughly disconnected to it. Um, it was ridiculous then. And, and, and this was ridiculous. Can I add that we also have not had the 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 um, uh, earnest and and concerned conversation in the mainstream media about what was a, another theme throughout the Trump presidency, fascist optics. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's like, right. I mean, someone, I think Dave Portnoy, one of those like 
comedian said something like, I mean, this looks like the Soviet Union and like like Hitler and the Soviet Union had a baby. Like the optics were so yeah. bad. And and but that would have been literally the the entire first part of this morning's news cycle had Trump given a speech with those optics. So um briefly back to, to John's point though, we did have some disagreement, not over the the pablum uh of it, but the substance of what he was addressing. I again we don't expect I don't expect a Democratic president to condemn his, his the people, his partisans on his side, who are as illiberal and as violent and as anti-democratic as the forces on the right that he's condemning. But there are illiberal, violent forces on the right that are anti-democratic. We talk about them all the time. They're a real force in American politics, and they really do have designs on this country that are very disturbing, that could rend the fabric, the social fabric, that could undermine the constitution. That's the sort of thing that you should be concerned about, that the president should be concerned about. And the president has every right to speak about political conditions in the country over which he presides. Um, but when you set out to make that problem worse, as he did, it is profoundly cynical and it undermines that message. But you really have to rationalize yourself into hearing that as opposed to uh, the emotional appeal of what he's saying about the nature of this threat. Now, he's not serious about the threat, but the threat is real. Look, Trump in the last three days has said uh, we there should be an election do-over and that he's going to pardon people who are convicted in the January 6th, uh, you know, in, in, in cases involving the January 6th uprising. What 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 has happened with people in the January 6th court cases? They have been, evidence has been summoned. They've been brought before a grand jury. They've been brought before juries of their peers behind judges who have been, um, you know, I guess, I'm not quite sure what, what, what level the judges are at, but they, through a democratic process, they have become judges jury of their peers assumed innocent until proven guilty found guilty by jury and uh sentenced to prison time in some cases or some suspended trump has now announced that should he become president again he will pardon some number of them for their uh the pardon power which is absolute as he discovered so he can pardon people for any reason. But in common law terms, uh, pardons are usually granted because something happened in error in the course of a proceeding, uh, but not so in error that the, that the judgment was overturned. Or the person who was convicted of the crime has performed in prison or in life so admirably and is i'm sorry i got another ambulance coming or is or has um you know feels so remorseful about their bad behavior or something like that that it is meet and proper for their crimes to be wiped off the face of the earth and for them to be pardoned that is not something you announce you are doing prima facie 3 years before you become president when you don't have any case right that is i mean it's not banana republic it is a violation of an oath of office to preserve protect and defend the constitution of the united states you are saying elect me and i will i will basically violate my presidential oath um so this is not good trump is radicalizing as he goes um, in part, I think, because uh, he is staring down the barrel of a possible indictment that he will in part have summoned upon himself by his really crazy behavior over the last several weeks after the the warrant was uh, was executed at, at Mar-a-Lago. Highly questionable thing maybe to have done, but everything that he says in the wake of it is you know, admissible evidence in a court proceeding against him where he basically says, yeah, I ordered the code red. 
Yeah, I had yeah, I had the documents in my house, and they didn't have any right to come into my house. And I may have declassified them. I may not have declassified them. I may have done this. I look, they threw them on the floor. How dare they throw them on the floor? Well, he couldn't have thrown them on the floor if he didn't have them. He wasn't supposed to have them. He signed his lawyer signed a document saying there were no there were no, none of these things left. I'm only bringing this up to say that when Biden says that Trump poses a unique threat to democracy, he is not wrong. I wish he were wrong. I think he is wrong to say that the 30 million people who who say that they are MAGA are threats to democracy. They are not threats to democracy. Their entire role in our democracy is voting for people. And voting for Trump, even if you think he's a threat to democracy, does not itself constitute a threat to democracy. I do believe that Joe Biden has done things that are themselves threats to democracy, or at least that open him up to to proper charges of being an incredible hypocrite, right? I mean, I say this at the end of my New York Post column. When he said in June of 2021 that the democratically approved, voted on, and signed into law provisions of Georgia's voting law uh, represented Jim Crow 2.0, that represents a threat to our democracy if you want if you follow constitutional procedures because those laws were passed the way laws are passed in a self-governing society and you don't like them you elect other people and they can go back and they can rewrite those laws or change them or 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 avoid them but saying that the laws themselves are illegitimate could be considered a threat to democracy biden at the beginning of 2022 asked a question by philip wegman of the Washington Examiner said uh, he was not prepared to say that the 2022 elections would not be illegitimate if the results went away that he did not want. So who is calling into question the legitimacy of elections now? Biden did. Biden did nine months ago. Biden did last night. Biden did last night. Because the threat that we're facing is not some uh, some act of racial violence, as we experienced in Charlottesville, which he addressed. It's not an insurrection that sacked the Capitol, which he also addressed, and which his press secretary said inspired those two speeches that he gave after the fact, and that this would be in the very same vein. So the threat that we're addressing here, in the absence of any exogenous event, is the prospect of Democrats losing a legitimate election. That's an excellent point. And we will close on that excellent point we'll be back on tuesday monday of course is labor day so we will uh we will we will celebrate along with you on the last day of summer as school begins uh, for some of us and some of our kids on tuesday <clears throat> thank god <laughs> so we will have we'll have blessedly empty houses and places in which to you know have to stop worrying about how to entertain how to entertain these creatures and now they're in the hands of other adults who will probably miseducate them but nonetheless you know you can't have everything so with hopes for a wonderful holiday weekend and for Abe Christina Noah I'm Jonathan Pudhoritz keep the candle burning <laughs>